Tonight's special uh, One Hood Power Hour legislative visit. As you know, the, on the final uh, Monday of every month, uh, we have a meeting with uh, state lawmakers and, and policymakers um, at, at the local and state level, uh, talking about uh, the issues that are impacting us every day and explaining how the uh, infamous sausage gets made um, in the process uh, in state capitals and city halls all over the state of Pennsylvania. And tonight is different. We're going to be talking about LGBTQ plus issues because it is a pride month. But before uh, we get into that, uh, we'll just do a quick, um, you know, round of, of hot takes. And I'll, I'll start first. Um, you know, uh, the big news that I, you know, saw today, uh, you know, was that uh, there's at least uh, initial evidence suggesting that for those of us who are out there who received uh, the Moderna or Pfizer vaccination, uh, there's a possibility that if the virus does not continue to evolve and mutate into a form much different than it is today, uh, those Pfizer and, and Moderna uh, uh, vaccine recipients uh, will, may not need um, a booster shot for a number of years. The immunity may last uh, you know, much longer than, than initially suggested. So I thought that was really interesting for those following, uh, you know, the Delta variant as well as the Delta plus variant that it, that has be, become a, a variant of concern, uh, prompting the World Health Organization um, to suggest right when, you know, uh, uh, many states, including Pennsylvania, um, has lowered uh, the restrictions, uh, the WHO is recommending that even vaccinated people continue um, to wear masks that I'm sure um, was well received throughout the vaccination community uh, when that news came out from the WHO. So as, as Miracle likes to say, um, the pandemic is not over yet. Um, but um, the good news is, at least for now, it looks like if you got the Pfizer or, or Moderna shot, you may have some long-term um, immunity uh, to the coronavirus. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and, and along with that today in Pennsylvania was the end of the mask mandate. So, um, theoretically a lot of institutions, um, are not, are no longer requiring you to wear your mask. Again, um, the World Health Organization and other nonprofits, uh, medical nonprofits, have still encouraged people to wear a mask, not only because there are people who are immunocompromised who are not able to get the vaccine, but also because you can still technically get, um, uh, we can actually still get COVID even though you are vaccinated, even though it minimizes significantly the risk. So there's a lot of things going on with that. 
Um, but also in addition, kind of going along with our conversation later, um, the Supreme Court refused to take up a case um, about uh, bathrooms, about um, allowing trans students to use the correct bathroom, the bathrooms that they feel comfortable in. And so that sets in, uh, keeps a precedent that allows uh, trans students access to the bathroom um, that correlates with their gender um, identity. And so that has been a, a huge uh, ongoing battle. And that was in an, uh, a grim for our neighboring state of Virginia, our sister Commonwealth. So there's a lot of things that are also uh, going on. The Supreme Court is rolling out cases a lot. There's been a lot of conversation about the Roberts Court actually refusing to make a lot of decisions and refusing to create either new precedents, sending a lot of stuff back uh, down to the lower court courts. So that is a lot of things that are um, going on. Um, in addition, you know, we just had a wonderful Juneteenth finale weekend here in Pittsburgh. So shout out to the Southwestern Pennsylvania Juneteenth Co uh, Coalition. They put on amazing, amazing events this whole entire month, um, honoring not only Juneteenth, but Black uh, Music Month has been a great celebration. And then also some of us this past weekend were able to be in D.C. with the Black Voters Matter Fund, you know, um, advocating for the passage of the For the People Act, uh, D.C. statehood, and some more information. And so that was really, really uh, great to see. And um, I will pass it over to Ryan to talk about his hot takes for this weekend. Thanks for that miracle. Um, yeah, one thing I did, I did want to talk about a little bit um, is, you know, we've seen a lot of, a lot of reporting recently on, on increases in violence, um, you know, rising crime rates, rising violent crime rates, um, and, and a lot of, you know, fear mongering around that. Um, that, that's really led to a lot of calls for, you know, increasing in, in police presence, increasing in police spending, budgetary, budgetary allocations, things along those lines. Um, and I, I read an article over the weekend about how Baltimore is really, you know, really has a really promising model for, for how we should really be addressing is, issues with violence and crime in the community. Um, and it was about um, a community-based um, nonviolence interventionist organization that they have there called Safe Streets. Um, and as we've seen, you know, uh, rises in violence and, and in violent crime in a lot of the most, you know, heavily policed Baltimore neighborhoods so far this year, um, one of the neighborhoods that they serve in South Baltimore, where, you know, instead of instead of there being a lot of police involvement um, in, in different incidents like that, they send out, you know, different community members who are experienced with this type of work um, to intervene in these situations and resolve them peacefully. And you know, connect people with the resources they need um, to avoid a lot of those situations. And they just celebrated um, the one-year anniversary of of no murders or homicides in the whole in that whole South Baltimore area that they serve. Um, you know, even as we've seen um, rises in, in in some violent crime in in a lot of the more heavily policed areas in Baltimore, um, which you know is a model that could be extrapolated to any number of different cities. Um, and it's just, you know, a really, really important example of how um, if, if, if there are, is, you know, this increase in, in crime and violence, things like that, um, the way to address that productively and effectively is not to throw money at police departments and not to increase spending and, and, and police presence in these neighborhoods, but to, you know, invest in those neighborhoods, connect people with the resources they need um, and, and fund these, these community groups that are able to really, you know, resolve these situations peacefully 
um, and, and keep everyone in the community safe and, and connected to resources. So I just wanted to point that out as well. Thank yeah. you for that, uh, Miracle, did you want to take it? Yeah, because I was saying like uh, along with that um, earlier today, Corey Bush actually was introducing some legislation I'm trying uh, uh, to pull up about you know uh, the the uh, the people's safety and investing and in people and making sure that resources, especially for people who are having uh, mental health crises having that funding. So she has introduced the People's Response Act, and we'll put that uh, link to that uh, litigation, I mean, to the legislation um, in the chat. And this is just like to help again, you know, a couple weeks ago, we did our, uh, our community-led initiative, but we're just advocating for more supports and resources for, for the community so that when things happen, we know that, I'll we'll talk in a little bit when it comes to having uh, you know, our queer family members or our disabled family members, people who do not speak English as a first language, people who have had um, traumatic experiences prior, when it comes to safety, sometimes the police are not the best individuals to respond to a crisis. And so what does it mean to have community-based programs and community-based support that's culturally uh culturally responsive, that's based, decentralized in community to help mitigate some of these um, factors. And also just talking about a lot of times we know just traditionally the trajectory of the American way of life, summertime, crime goes up in the summer, right? We, we This is a pattern that happens like every year. Um, and so we we need to be like more proactive and providing resources after school programs, anger management, conflict resolution um, interventions, so that we're able to provide for our community members who are in crisis and, and, and who are, um, and in some instances, creating and causing harm for other people. So thank you for bringing that up, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so now uh, we, we are going to go into our, our legislative visit before we start, uh, Ryan, because you could provide some context because uh, I, I want to, you know, give you um, your well-deserved credit, you know, for pulling this together. Um, so can you uh, give us a quick preview of who's going to be joining us tonight and, um, you know, and what uh, specific, you know, areas of legislation, you know, as it relates um, to the LGBTQ plus community uh, we'll be discussing on tonight's uh, legislative forum. Absolutely. Thanks, Kahari. Um, yeah, so tonight we'll be speaking to, you know, three, um, three members of the Pennsylvania General Assembly um, who have been, you know, champions of, of various LGBTQ plus issues in the legislature, um, you know, throughout their tenures there. Um, they're, you know, sponsoring and co-sponsoring uh, several bills related to, you know, important LGBTQ plus issues in the state um, as it pertains to non-discrimination laws and a lot of different things like that that, you know, we'll get into with, with each of our three guests tonight. Um, yeah, so we're, we're very appreciative to be joined by uh, Representative Dan Frankel, Senator Tim Carney, and Representative Jessica Benham, um, who, like I said, have all, have all been working very diligently um, on these issues, on, on the legislation um, you know, that's, that's needed to really advocate um, and protect uh, Pennsylvania's LGBTQ plus population. Um, so we're going to start it off by bringing in Representative Dan Frankel, if we have him in the studio at the moment. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Ryan and uh, Miracle and Hari. Glad to be here today. 
Thank you so much for um, joining us. We're very honored. And I'll pass it over to Ryan to ask the first question. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, thank you for joining us, Representative Frankel. Um, and I just wanted to, to, first of all, start off by asking you, um, because, you know, you, you were one of the founders of um, the LGBTQ Equality Caucus in the General Assembly. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, you know, just for a little background information, you know, what your motivations for founding that were, um, you know, what's some of the major work you've done over the years in that in that group? And, you know, also how attitudes towards towards that body, you know, may have shifted um, over the years since its inception in 2011. Sure. Uh, thanks for that question. Um, you know, I've been in the General Assembly for uh, now my 23rd year and been involved in this issue from the beginning. But the things that have motivated me uh, were, you know, civil rights generally, um, uh, something that I was involved in in, in my career prior uh, to coming in the General Assembly. I was very active in Pittsburgh's Jewish community and chaired the Community Relations Council of the United Jewish Federation and the Pennsylvania Jewish Coalition. Uh, and the reason I got involved in those things is because civil rights, non-discrimination, uh, racism, uh, these things have been part of the core of my values and motivations to run for public office uh, as, a, as a Jewish American uh, and uh, a, uh, a person who has had family members, survivors of Auschwitz uh, in Germany, uh, uh, victims at the Tree of Life Congress that were victims of an anti-Semitic uh, uh, gunman who came in and murdered 11 of our neighbors. Um, these things have been very important to me because I know uh, that uh, when, you, uh, when, when you, demean, you know, reduce somebody's value uh, over a period of time, uh, violence uh, becomes uh, possible. Uh, we saw that in Germany. We've seen that here in the United States, particularly as groups of people have been targeted uh, here, including the LGBTQ community. Uh, but to me, to have uh, any group of people targeted to be second-class citizens, to have fewer rights than the rest of us because of who they are, what they believe, or who they love, is anathema uh, to who, who we are as a country, who we are as a commonwealth and a community. And uh, we need to, to basically uh, get rid of this ability. We are a, a community that you can still discriminate against somebody. Uh, you can still deny them housing, access to public accommodations, uh, access to educational facilities, um, and uh, up until recently, employment. Uh, but employment uh, was basically somewhat resolved, but not entirely, by the Bostock uh, decision uh, at the Supreme Court court in 2020. Uh, but we still work to do. Pennsylvania is the only state uh, in the northeast quadrant of this country in which you can still discriminate against somebody because of their sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression. And uh, the legislation that I and uh, Jess Benham and Senator Kearney um, and uh, so many others uh, are working on to get uh, passed, including our governor, who's made it a priority. Uh, would amend the Pennsylvania Human Relations Act uh, to include uh, protections that are already exist for people on the basis of race, religion, age, uh, gender, uh, to include sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression. It's about time. Uh, it's, it's an embarrassment that we don't have it. 
Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully we will get this done soon. Thank you for that. Um, and like Ryan said, you kind of spearheaded the Equality Caucus. You have been really a leader um, in Pennsylvania on these issues. You, you've hired people um, who are in the, in the community. You've shown up for events. How have you been able to kind of further along uh, this advocacy, as we know, with the Speaker of the House once saying that, the former Speaker, that, you know, gender non-discrimination really wouldn't be a reality um, in Pennsylvania for some time. And now that, you know, we have we have different leadership, we have different people within the um, legislature, how are you able to navigate and push gender non-discrimination in Pennsylvania right now? Well, a number of things have changed. I mean, since since I started introducing this twenty some years ago, um, you know, with very few co-sponsors, every every session that we've been introducing this, we've gotten uh, significant uh, co-sponsorship, uh, up to a hundred members, including you know even some Republican members. Uh, but one of the things that has definitely changed in the uh, in our in our caucus in the General Assembly is the fact that we now have elected leaders who uh, who are outwardly uh, members of the LGBTQ community. You're going to hear from one of them uh, this evening, my colleague, uh, Jessica Benham uh, from the city of Pittsburgh, but also Brian Sims uh, from Philadelphia. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it's, it's just been a, uh, you know, significant sea change. It's very different. Uh, when you know, Malcolm Kenyatta as well, uh, a member of our caucus, also announced candidate for U.S. Senate. Um, you know, when you, when, when, you, when you have a colleague who's sitting across the aisle from you, uh, who's a member of the community, who can express um, uh, his uh, or her uh, disappointment, their disappointment, uh, uh, in terms of how they're relegated to the second-class status, I think it's very difficult for members to turn away and, uh, and be totally uh, uh, immune to having any reaction to it. Uh, so that's helped change the environment here. At the same time, what we've seen uh, is, uh, you know, a kind of an exploitation of trying to find vulnerabilities in the issue to be able to attack people, to be able to distort the issue. And right, right now what we're seeing are attacks against the transgender community in particular to try. They, they found this kind of what they think is an Achilles heel, those who are opposed to, to providing these equal rights to everybody. Um, so you see these pieces of legislation uh, that target uh, transgender women in athletics. Uh, we'll be seeing that. We, we, we have a, a bill that's going to be introduced by some of my colleagues uh, to uh, make it impossible for transgender women to participate in sports at the uh, high school and collegiate level. Uh, we're going to see legislation shortly that's going to target physicians who provide uh, gender-affirming uh, health care. Uh, for transgender uh, youth. Um, and these are cookie cutter things that we've seen around, around the country. Uh, so we're gonna have to, uh, to help educate, uh, do the advocacy, uh, explain to people, particularly because this transgender community is the most vulnerable part and clearly being targeted because that seems to be the avenue that these folks think that they can uh, attack uh, the, uh, uh, the effort to, to provide non-discrimination for all Pennsylvanians. Thank you for that. And I thank you, thank you for joining us, uh, Representative Frankel. Could you um, 
you know, just uh, elaborate, you know, a little bit further, uh, uh, you know, why it's important, um, you know, to protect, uh, you know, trans youth athletes' rights. Um, you know, as you said, it's been one of the biggest stories, you know, around the country. And there is some folks in the community that, you know, seem to, um, you know, the, the, the conservative argument has resonated with some folks. You know, could you just say, you know, to, to the public of, of, of anyone who may be on the fence or say, well, you know, it, it may make sense to have some sort of restrictions on who can participate. Could you talk about why is it so important to not have those restrictions in place? Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, again, a part of trying to, uh, to deconstruct the whole effort for non-discrimination for everybody based on sexual orientation, gender identity and expression. Uh, and what needs to be explained to people who might, uh, you know, it might put a question in somebody's mind uh, uh, about the, the fairness of sports uh, by allowing transgender uh, women to participate in particular. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, as in most things, particularly progressive issues, Pennsylvania is not exactly, you know, uh, the trendsetter. So, uh, you know, we're, we're basically trying to, the things that we're trying to do with respect to discrimination here uh, are in law and have been part of uh, the law in many, many other states, including uh, the rights for the transgender community. So, you know, in all these other states, there are 20 other, 22 other states that have these civil rights protections uh, for the LGBTQ community, including, obviously, the T, the transgender community. Uh, and in those states, uh, there are individ transgender individuals who are participating in the full panoply of life experiences, including uh, high school and collegiate sports. And do they have any problems? Do we have anything, any suits? We, do, when we ask our colleagues, can you give us an example of a problem? Nobody comes up with one. So it is a red herring uh, that's using, being used as a scare tactic because uh, many people uh, really uh, don't, aren't educated about uh, what the transgender community is, what transgender individuals go through. And, uh, and I think uh, it, it is... Uh, it, it's, it's just so disturbing that my colleagues try to exploit this really vulnerable population. Uh, and we know that transgender women of color are particularly targeted and subjected to violence and murder. Um, and, uh, and transgender youth in particular are subject to mental health uh, issues and suicide. Uh, and all this goes to kind of, you know, create more havoc for those folks. Uh, and it's really, uh, really unfortunate. We, we, we need to, you know, put an end to this. My colleagues need to stop exploiting uh, this community for their political benefit. And we need to get on with equal rights for all Pennsylvanians. Absolutely, thank you for that. Um... Yeah, before we, before we move on to Senator Carney in a few minutes, um, I did also want to give you the opportunity um, to speak about the uh, the hate crime package, which I believe um, contains three separate bills, you know, kind of all relating to to that overarching issue. Um, so you just provide a little background on, on those bills as well. Oh, yeah, so it's, it's quickly. So one of the things we also have seen is this explosion uh, of uh, acts of hate across the country that uh, have targeted uh, all kinds of different communities. Uh, obviously, the, the one that, uh, that is closest to home for me 
is what took place at Tree of Life in, the, in October of 2018 uh, that targeted our community. But you saw it down in Orlando uh, at the Pulse nightclub that targeted the LGBTQ community. You saw it in Charleston, South Carolina at the AME Church that targeted the African-American community. You saw it in Wisconsin at the Sikh Temple. You saw it internationally at, uh, um, at the, in uh, uh, New Zealand uh, that targeted the Muslim community. Uh, so what, what we need to know, what people need to understand, my colleagues don't all understand, is that the difference between an act of violence against an individual, a murder, uh, an assault uh, that might happen in a random way, is an awful thing to happen. But when that act of violence is meant to basically intimidate an entire group of people, that's what we call a hate crime. Um, and, and we need to be able to call it out. So our Ethnic Intimidation Act uh, uh, does not identify uh, acts of hate against people because of their sexual orientation and gender identity expression. And one of our bills makes it more inclusive. Uh, the other bill uh, helps raise the penalties because you need to be able to differentiate between, not mandatory minimum sentencing, because I'm against that, but you need to differentiate between uh, somebody who puts up graffiti, random graffiti on a stop sign, as opposed to a swastika on a mosque or a synagogue. Those are different things they need to be called out differently. And we need our law enforcement officers to understand what a hate crime is. And one of the problems we have, we know while we have an explosion of reported hate crimes, hate crimes are one of the most underreported crimes that take place across our Commonwealth and across the country. And the other thing ultimately, so we need to educate law enforcement about identifying hate crimes. And we know also that on, on, on our college campuses in particular, students are both targeted as victims and as recruits, 18-year-olds uh, come into college and are independent uh, all of a sudden, and they, they, they are really kind of like prime uh, opportunities for those who want to exploit uh, acts of hate and recruiting uh, uh, people for, uh, for hate groups. Um, so what I've done is mirrored what we did uh, during the Me Too movement in terms of giving uh, people an anonymous way to report uh, acts of sexual harassment and sexual assault um, and do the same thing uh, for, uh, for hate activity on college campuses as well. So that's kind of the package, and it's all-inclusive. It includes uh, protections for uh, uh, the LGBTQ community as well, which would be a major effort, and we've actually gotten a great uh, broad support across the state. Uh, we have the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Hate, and it includes some groups that have been opposed to you know, our civil rights bill, uh, like the Catholic Conference, but the Catholic Conference has been front and center helping us uh, advocate for this. I had a meeting with uh, Speaker Cutler last two weeks ago about it. I'm having a, a meeting with Speaker Benning, uh, uh, Majority Leader Benninghoff this week, our Republican leadership teams, uh, to try and get them uh, to, uh, uh, to move this legislation. So thank you for asking that. And I, I just am not sure if it was this legislation, but there is an actual education component that comes with the hate crime legislation for people um, who are proponents. I think I think a lot of times people think of hate crime legislation as always like um, this enhanced sentencing, but with your legislation, there's always a there's also an educational component to it, correct? One of the, one of the, those people who are you know uh, convicted uh, of a hate crime. Uh, there's uh, uh, one piece of legislation that would require in terms of their uh, rehabilitation uh, to have, uh, you know, 
education with respect to the group or groups that they had targeted uh, to have a better understanding so that somebody who is uh, convicted of a, of a hate crime uh, gets uh, some opportunity uh, for uh, rehabilitation that includes education with respect to acts of hate and particularly the groups that they had targeted. Thanks for asking that. I forgot about that piece. Yeah, and Representative Frankel, um, before I would move on to our next guest, is there anything else um, you want to share uh, with the viewers, how folks can contact your office, uh, if they live in your district, and what are the geographic uh, boundaries, for, you know, for those who may not know, uh, you know, which legislative district they fall in? Sure. I, I represent the, the 23rd district that includes the neighborhoods of Squirrel Hill, uh, Oakland, Shadyside, Point Breeze, uh, Greenfield, and uh, which has been my honor to serve for the last 23 years. Uh, you can call my office. It's at uh, my office at, at 2341 uh, Murray Avenue uh, on top of the Starbucks uh, right near the corner of Murray and Forward. And um, uh, my phone number is 412-422-1774. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for joining us, State Representative uh, Dan Frankel. A true a progressive champion who has always been there on the front lines his entire career. Thank you for your service and thank you for joining the One Hood Power Hour tonight. Thank you. It's been a, been a pleasure and an honor to have been able to participate and I look forward to listening to my, uh, my colleagues uh, uh, in this as well. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I was State Representative Dan Frankel uh, representing uh, Squirrel Hill and other parts of Pittsburgh's East End in, in the General Assembly. So I'm gonna pass it uh, back uh, to my colleague, Ryan, to introduce our, our next guest uh, for tonight's legislative visit. Absolutely, thanks, Kahari. Um, and thanks again, Representative Frankel, for joining us tonight. Um, and so now we're gonna move to Senator Tim Carney, who, again, just like Representative Frankel, um, has has been working diligently on behalf of a lot of, of, of a lot of these, you know, really crucial LGBTQ plus issues. Um, and is also involved in some pieces of legislation, um, you know, that's, that's working to address some of those most crucial issues. Um, so we can go ahead and bring him in now as well. Hello, Senator. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everybody. Hi, Kari. Hi, Miracle. Very nice to doing? meet you. I yeah, feel like right. Ryan and I are old friends now from the pre-show. From the sound check. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to start out by um, just asking if you could talk a little bit about um, Senate Bill 609 um, that you introduced back in March, you know, again, related, related to a lot of these issues at hand here, um, you know, what the current status of it is in the legislature, um, what what really that bill is looking to accomplish, um, and, and also, you know, what happened with, with that accompanying bill that was introduced in the House. Sure. Thanks, Ryan. Um, first of all, greetings from Delaware County. I'm at the other end of the state from you guys, so it's, uh, um, but I'm, I'm really pleased to uh, be able to join you and, and discuss some of these really important issues. Uh, Senate Bill 609 was a, is a, it's, a, it's an interesting bill in, in several ways. It, it, um, it came out of, there's a, <clears throat> there's a township here in, in Delaware County called Upper Darby, which is right outside Philadelphia. And they were looking through their, you know, through, through the ordinances that they had on, and they realized that they continued to list Homosexuality as an as an obscenity uh, in their in the way that the laws were written, um, and being a 
township, you know, they were pretty nimble. They were able to literally at the next meeting, they uh, stripped it out of their their laws so that it no longer uh, existed. And, you know, it may sound funny, but we do bills like this all the time in the legislature. Uh, for example, I think this year we um, we got rid of the the law from the 19 teens, I think it was, that prohibited you from playing baseball on Sundays. Um, that was actually a law that we had in Pennsylvania. Of course, it wasn't enforced, uh, but you know, it was. Uh, um, these are the kinds of things that, that we were dealing with. So, uh, my colleague Mike Zabel, who's a state rep, introduced it in the House, and I introduced it in the in the Senate. We, in our discussions, we just thought it was this is low hanging fruit. This is just an antiquated term that that needs to be stripped out of the out of our uh, our laws and. Um, you know, the, the House, sometimes they're a little more rash than we are. They said that we tend to deliberate these things a little longer. So their bill came up first and uh, and it went down on a pure party line vote, which um, I was just shocked by. I, I, it just, just seems like such a um, such a no brainer kind of thing that this is something that that we need to do in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. So what I'm doing currently right now in the Senate is that we're doing the behind the scenes work, trying to uh, uh, create a little bit of um, more positive feeling in my Republican colleagues about the uh, about the bill before it actually gets um, it's been introduced, but it hasn't been accepted by a committee yet. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's it's still moving and still a possibility for it, it to happen. Um, again, it just I think of this as the lowest of the low hanging fruit in terms of these these types of, of issues. But as you heard from uh, from my colleague Dan. Um, you know, we're fighting all sorts of crazy things. I mean, the the the, the transgender uh, sports thing to me is just it's it's nuts because if you look at the basically the science of it, the the, the hormones that people take during the transition is you know it supersedes any kind of possible um, you know benefit that they could they could have from transitioning from male to to female. And I I know several people who have transitioned and. Um, the, trying to do it for an advantage in sports is just, it, it, that's just outrageous that, that someone would actually think that you would do that as a, as a method to try to, uh, um, you know, do better on the track team or the, or whatever. It's just, it's crazy. Um, but it's pandering, right. And it's pandering to a, to a base that um, wants to believe these things. And um, so that's kind of the stuff we're, we're, we're fighting against. Um, thank you so much for uh, uh, bringing that up. And so one of the things I want to, to uh, ask you is, like, how are you engaging with the community, right? We have a lot of these bills, but there's still a lot of issues, especially when it comes to housing, um, IDs, when it comes to a lot of our elders, even the ability to find a, a, a retirement home or community that is affirming uh, you know, people's gender identity and sexuality. So how are you going out and meeting people throughout the Commonwealth or in your district so that they're able to inform your decisions on some of these bills that um, are being introduced? Well, the, you know, the, the easy part about the, in the district stuff is that, you know, we're, we're we're a part of these communities. We're we're invited. We're I spent yesterday afternoon at uh, at a, a pride uh, celebration in Upper Darby. Um, if you know you had told me three years ago that they'd have a pride celebration in Upper Darby, I would have I would have said you're crazy. This never would happen. Upper Darby had been controlled by uh, Republicans since the Civil War kind of thing, and they 
Now they have a Democratic mayor who uh, last year raised the pride flag over uh, the township building on on uh, for, for the month of June, which was a a, a great uh, a great thing that to happen. And um, so we the afternoon was just like it was a it was a party, but a lot of it was very serious too in terms of. Um, trying to understand the, the issues and and uh, what people are coming from, particularly in the you know the, the the violence against people in the in the trans community is just it's just it's it's I don't get it I can't understand it and it's it's just terrible. Um, so uh, in, in terms of on the Commonwealth level, we're actually hosting a, uh, a Democratic policy hearing tomorrow, um, uh, along with Senator Lindsey Williams from from Pittsburgh. Uh, the, dealing with uh, particularly um, ID issues around uh, uh, trans people um, in terms of how that occurs and when it can occur. And, and we have, um, uh, you know, people from the community, people from the, from the uh, uh, organizations that support trans people, both in Philadelphia and in Pittsburgh, who are uh, going to be testifying. And uh, that, that's one way that we can sort of amplify on a larger stage some of these issues and really kind of understand because I think what you heard from, from Representative Frankel before was that um, people don't actually look at these things. They don't actually look at the details of them or understand what the issues are. And they, they constantly just they dehumanize people and they put them in a, in a position as them or those people or something like that. And there's a, you know, it, it's, we have a lack of empathy when it comes to trying to understand people's positions and what they're literally uh, going through. So uh, I'm very hopeful, uh, hopeful for that, and um, I think we, I probably put some information about that in the in the chat if you'd like. Good. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know so much, uh, you know, for that, and, um, and and I know, you know, there's a ton of you know research, um, you know, that goes into these bills. Um, can you talk about like any you know particular um, you know consideration um, that is taken in, in the crafting of uh, this protective legislation? You know, around around mental health, because I know, you know, uh, you know, me as a layman who's, you know, been reading articles and things like that. You know, I know, you know, the trans youth are so, you know, susceptible, uh, you know, to violence from the community, you know, as well as, as unfortunately, in some cases, even self, you know, inflicted violence. So is there anything, you know, in this legislation that addresses like mental health and, and, and protecting, you know, the mental health? Of, of, of particular trans youth in Pennsylvania? Well, thank you, Kari. That's a great question. And it's, it's a huge need. Um, you know, LGBT teenagers, trans kids um, are incredibly vulnerable. And, um, you know, we're, we, we do a lot of outreach in the school districts here in, in Delaware County. Um, I had one of these uh, policy hearings that revolved, we just had High school kids on it, talking about these issues and understanding kind of what they're what they're going through, um, both around LGBTQ issues and and racial issues. Um, you know, we 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 again, there's this. You know, we we try to be often divisive in our society in terms of how we deal with people like this, and and that's you know that's just like no way to run a railroad kind of thing. We 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 just need that that kind of empathy to to uh, to try to understand what people are going through. And uh, so it's, you know, part of what we talk about a lot is um, it's literally kindness. You know, we, we need to be kind to, to, uh, to each other's and we need to learn to listen and, and not, 
not speak, not pontificate about it, you know, and, uh, to really get to understand where people are coming from and how that's working. And, and all of that, you know, informs um, the nuances of how we try to craft the bills and how we try to get legislation to, to push forward. Um, I became a senator because I was trying to um, understand um, how we in, in the Commonwealth define the word fair. You know, we're, we're um, people say, well, that wouldn't be fair if we did that. Well, how's that not, you know, you know and understanding what people have, have been building on and, um, uh, you know, that we're, we're involved in this whole issues around um, critical race theory that we're hearing now, which is another you know, red herring, fear-based uh, uh, thing that we're, we're seeing from the side. You know, it, 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 the other thing you have to remember is that um, Pennsylvania, the Republican Party in, in Pennsylvania is a minority party, right? There's more, almost a million more registered Democrats than there are Republicans. Um, but they do a very good job of holding on to, to power, right? I mean, they have majorities in both the House and the Senate. And I, I don't mean to be political, but um, the only way to really that we're going to get some of these people to um, even allow things to get up for a vote is if we start changing the makeup of the Senate and the, and the House. Um, and, you know, we're going to have redistricting that's coming up pretty soon. And that's um, seems to be being controlled by uh, uh, Pittsburgh folks, which I think is a good thing. And um, we are uh, we're, we're hopeful that we we. We don't want to gerrymander for Democrats. We want to be, uh, we want to have fair districts. And and part of what makes it easy for us to be that way is if we have fair districts, then um, I think we're going to do much better in terms of representation in the in the Senate and the in the House. I mean, if you look at the congressional redistricting that happened um, a couple of years ago, where uh, you know we went from um, uh, thirteen to five Republicans to Democrats to nine to nine after the maps were redrawn. Um, and that's the kind of stuff we're looking for to try to really advance some of these things. And again, the stuff that I consider no brainers um, that, that we should be doing. Thank you. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned a little while ago um, about that, that pride celebration in Upper Darby, you know, that that's mm -hmm. something you never would have um, never would have anticipated even a few years ago um, and had been, you know, a Republican controlled municipality. Um, for a really long time. And likewise, I believe you were the first uh, Democratic senator elected in your district in, in around 40 years. Um, yeah. So That's, what, do you, what do you think that says about, you know, the, the changing attitudes of, of Pennsylvanians at large on a lot of these LGBTQ issues that you were able to win in, you know, a, a historically pretty established red district, you know, even with LGBTQ advocacy as, you know, a pretty central part of your platform? You know, um, Delaware County was uh, strange in a lot of ways, but one of them was that the Republicans had a stranglehold on on the, the county. So there was one Democrat who won a single term as a senator right after Watergate in the 70s. And um, so he, uh, he literally just, just served the one term. Otherwise, it's been in Republican hands since the Civil War. Um, and... Um, the same sort of things in, in county politics. We now have uh, uh, Democrats control the county council. We have a home rule charter here in, in Delaware County. So we have five uh, council people and, that, and there, there's no requirement for minority participation the way there is in a lot of other uh, uh, counties. And we're uncovering all sorts of things. <laughs> and, and um, you know, it used to be that uh, uh, 
there were some very powerful people in Harrisburg who were from Delaware County. Uh, Speaker of the House, uh, Ryan, was uh, um, actually, you know, would seem liberal by today's standards in, in terms of uh, the legislation that he pushed and and actually just the, the way he kind of got things done. So um, it, it is a it is a struggle. Um, we are seeing shifting demographics. We're seeing, you know, we continue to have population growth in Delaware County. Um, and a lot of it, uh, you know, quite frankly, a lot of Delaware County was sort of based on white flight out of Philadelphia, um, you know, in the in the late 19th century and the early 20th century, um, all the way up through the 50s, you know. And um, and uh, a lot of those people are, you know, they're, they're literally dying off and their children don't feel the same way about the, uh, the things that they did. So um, the, the demographics are shifting. Attitudes are shifting. Uh, you know, I was the I was the mayor of uh, the borough of Swarthmore um, before I was in the Senate, and um, I remember when I first got elected, we would talk about these issues, and and we Swarthmore's had uh, anti-discrimination uh, language on the books for twenty some years about LGBTQ uh, uh, people, even as the anagram changed the. Uh, um, over the years, but um, you know, the idea that we could perform same-sex marriages was was seemed like a far, um, you know, that that would never happen, right? That that would be a uh, um, a bridge too far. But uh, I was fortunate to uh, to uh, officiate at some of the first uh, same-sex marriages in uh, in Delaware County, which was which was a wonderful thing, great celebrations. Love is love. Yeah, and you talk about being very entrenched in the community, um, from attending the prides to um, officiating the ceremonies. How has it been? Why has it been so important to you to be an ally, to be an advocate, um, showing up, uh, putting these issues front and center in your campaign, um, and and sponsoring this uh, legislation? It's 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 usually important. Um, you know, a lot of it. I'm an odd politician, right? Because I I, um, I had 37 year career as an architect. Um, got involved in local issues in, in the town of Swarthmore, um, first in sort of pro bono projects and then um, uh, working on the planning commission and then becoming the mayor kind of thing. So somewhere I had a great career as an architect and then I took this weird left turn into statewide politics, um, which um, I'm, I'm still, I guess I was lucky to do it at a time when my my kids were college age or just out of college kind of thing. And um, I learned more from my daughter about these kinds of issues um, than from any person in particular. I'm not, I don't have any gay people in my family per se. I might have a, I shouldn't say that. I have an aunt who's married her high school sweetheart, which was um, after uh, uh, she retired as a Lieutenant Colonel in the army. Um, so I, um, but you know, it, it's, I don't have any kids who are, although my daughter just got married last weekend, actually still identifies um, with LGBTQ uh, folks. They uh, still plays in a uh, LGBTQ uh, soccer league out in Minnesota where she lives. Um, but you know, I think it goes back to that fundamental idea about fairness and basically treating people like people. Um, what, what I what I really bridle against is the idea that we can you know, refer to people as in a certain group as as being less than us or less important or their issues don't really matter. Uh, so 
you know, whether, whether I'm fighting as hard for LGBTQ uh, rights as I am for, for fair funding for education. Uh, you know, and, and that's, we could, we could talk for hours about that, but it, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's just this fundamental idea that we're treating people um, as somehow less or somehow different. And, you know, there's more about us that is the same than there is um, anything that that's, that's different. And, um, uh, you know, that, that's, it's, it's kind of the reason I'm, I'm doing this stuff is to literally try to, to, again, shine that light on, on the issues that we have and try to figure out ways to, uh, to change that. Uh, thank you for that. I just had um, a, a quick uh, question, just just from perspective. And, you know, I, I, you know, as someone, as, as you said, who's, you know, um, you know, in, in in recent years, has become, you know, more politically engaged. Obviously, getting involved, running for office, and being successful, um, you know, and you know, historically, you know, the Republican Party, you know, has been, you know, associated more, you know, with you know, with corporate America. Uh, than, mm -hmm. than the Democratic Party, you know, at least, you know, according, you know, to, to some critics. And one thing that we have seen, you know, along with, you know, a large swath of society, uh, you know, corporate America embracing, uh, you know, the rights of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah. And in and, 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 and many ways, um, you know, getting out ahead, you know, you know uh, of the Republican Party, what do you see as the disconnect of, you know, uh, these corporate CEOs, many of whom give to Republican PACs and Republican candidates, you know, what are they seeing that's different that uh, many of the candidates and leadership PACs that they're giving to aren't seem to be getting that same message, you know? So what, what do you see, at, you know, as, as the disconnect as so many people in the country's eyes open uh, to the reality of what's going on and, and moving forward on, on a path of progress and acceptance and tolerance. And so what is the disconnect with, with our friends on the other side of the aisle? <laughs> um, I really can't put myself in there into their heads uh, and to, to try to understand what a lot of things going on. I, I think that what you're seeing is actually good business by these corporations. If people understand um, where, where people are, are coming from. I mean, it's interesting when you, um, I don't watch television all that much, but when I do, I try to pay attention to how many um, biracial couples are in ads or how many times you see blended families or how many times you see things which are, um, you know, would, would be crazy to even to, to, to think about. Um, you know, uh, uh, when, when Bill Cosby had his sitcom, it, you know, it had, they had to be, um, you know, a, a good Christian family kind of thing. Um, not that there's any problem with that, but it was... Uh, um, you know, that was the only way you could have a black uh, family as the, um, you know, the protagonist in a, in, in a sitcom. So we're, we've come an awful long way. And it's not just, you know, it's, we see it in a lot of things. I mean, look at the Ford Motor Company or GM who were just announced that, you know, half of their vehicles are going to be all electric in, in three years. Um, you know, there, there's no, we, we have a lot of catching up to do with them in terms of, uh, you know, how, how the, the, provide the infrastructure to, uh, you know, allow for the charging and everything else. And we've, um, you, in Pittsburgh, you're doing great work at, uh, at the, uh, that think tank that's set up over on the river, but it's part of Carnegie Mellon. Um, they're doing incredible work with autonomous vehicles and, and, um, you know, the e-scooters, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, uh, that, 
not only because the scooters are, are fun to ride and everything else, but because there's a plan that the that the uh, that Pittsburgh has around this kind of last, how do you move people in the last mile? And this is a way that you can kind of provide ways that you can, uh, that, that people can, can, uh, uh, can move around in, in ways that are, you know, ecologically friendly. You know, if we, if we didn't, if we had something like that, that we didn't have to drive our car for a five minute, um, you know, thing to the store, then that's, that's a win-win for everybody. So it's, it's environmental, it's, it's the way it's our cars, it's, the, the um, kind of racial relations, it's the LGBTQ stuff, all those things. Um, the marketplace is in, in a lot of ways kind of showing us uh, the, the way forward. Um, and, you know, when our colleagues are going to uh, catch up to that, um, I don't know. And I don't think I want to wait. I think I, you know, I'm going to work like hell in the next elections to uh, to increase our numbers to the point where we can actually control uh, the legislation that's that's going through the Senate and the and the House. Does that make sense, Kari? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, that's my answer. Uh, we're going to go to Miracle. <laughs> no, I, I know you're right. Before we uh, uh, move to our next guest, and thank you so much for your time. But how are um, are people able to get in contact with you? Um, 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 Senator Carney at pasenate.com is my email address. Um, that's the easiest way to, to get a hold of us. Um, you can easy to find my website on the, just do Senator Carney and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll pop up. Um, we're, we're, you know, in, in the Senate, the one nice thing we have is that I have a much larger staff than, than, uh, than Dan does, um, or, or Jessica. So I have, um, I have, uh, seven people in my, on my staff who just do constituent service issues. And we, we can really get into the the meat of you know people's issues and can really be uh, helpful, particularly now that the uh, unemployment compensation piece is hopefully uh, dwindling down as we uh, as we figure out what whatever is next. Uh, and Kari, when you talked about this earlier today, it was the first time I've heard that uh, we we you know fingers crossed we we might not have to do a booster shot for a couple of years. That would be uh, that would be great news indeed. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate uh, your your thoughtful questions and um, happy to be part of this conversation and uh, uh, happy to do it again sometime in the future. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us, Senator. Okay. And that was Senator Tim Kearney from Delaware County, uh, Pennsylvania State Senator, who is taking uh, a major role in advancing uh, pro-LGBTQ plus uh, legislation um, in the state of Pennsylvania has been on the front line. So thank you again, Senator Kerry. We are definitely looking forward to having uh, him back on and continuing this conversation uh, later on in the legislative session. Uh, so we're gonna bring it back to Ryan to introduce our final guest uh, for uh, tonight's legislative visit. Yep, thanks, Gary. Um, yeah, so now we're about to be joined by uh, Representative Jessica Benham, who is a, a state representative uh, representing Allegheny County, where we're based out of. Um, she, like uh, Representative Frankel, also a member of the LGBTQ Equality Caucus, um, and you know is also a member of the LGBTQ plus community herself. Um, so she's been you know really involved in a lot of these issues during her time as a state representative. Um, and through her work in the LGBTQ Equality Caucus. 
um, yeah, so we're, you know, really excited and, and thankful that she was able to join us tonight as well. Um, and so we can go ahead and bring her on. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Um, so just to off, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you about you know, your, your involvement in that LGBTQ Equality Caucus, um, you know, and really, really how important it's been to, you know, since its inception to now have several members of the LGBTQ community involved in that work, you know, really, really taking leadership roles, um, you know, with that group, with, with you and, and Representative Sims and Kamada as well. So I believe that we legislate and advocate from our lived experience, which is why it's so critically important to have members of every marginalized community at the table where decisions are being made. And so that's why I think it's really important that Rep. Sims, Rep. Kenyatta, and myself are in the General Assembly. But I also think it's not enough. I didn't get here to be a state representative to say, hey, there's three of us. Us, it's all good now uh, because that's not true. I got here and I turned around and I said, you know, who's not here? Who really should be here? And I think that's a question that more members of the General Assembly should ask themselves is who needs to be at the table and what can I do to make sure that people who are reflective of Pennsylvania as a whole get elected? Because until we have a General Assembly that looks like Pennsylvania, yeah, we're going to struggle to get legislation like the Fairness Act passed. Uh, Miracle, do you have a follow-up? Uh, yes, we know there's a lot of stuff going on in Pennsylvania, um, and you, that you have been very um, involved in the budget and not to uh, bring about a very stressful past week, but can you talk about some of the ways that the, this upcoming budget is going to help uh, queer Pennsylvanians in Pennsylvania, um, here in Pennsylvania? That's a good question. You know, I actually voted against the budget because I don't think that the budget as proposed by the Republican members of the General Assembly reflects the needs of every everyday Pennsylvanians. And so there certainly have been some big wins in this budget. Uh, we saw an increase in education funding, which I think is really critical. But at the end of the day, the budget did not go far enough when it came to making sure that everyday Pennsylvanians have what they need to thrive. There was not adequate support for our local businesses. There was not any kind of increase to the minimum wage. We didn't see adequate funding, full funding for education. And we really didn't see anything that was specifically targeted toward addressing the needs of the LGBTQ community. Though, of course, I believe that all policy issues are LGBTQ policy issues. So I did end up voting against the budget because I don't think that it reflects the values and priorities, not only of my district, but of Pennsylvania as a whole. You know, I have a, a you know, uh, you know, question uh, going back, uh, you know, to your uh, successful, you know, campaign. Um, you know, when, you know, you decided to run, and and you know, you're there with your kitchen cabinet, and, and you're letting, um, you know, your team know that you know you're going to be, you know, open and proud, you know, about your identity, and talk about that, you know, on the campaign trail. 
you know, you know, was there any any pushback from your team, or was there any any pushback, you know, from the community, you know, running, you know, in in a part, you know, of Allegheny County that has been, you know, considered more of a moderate, you know, Democratic area, uh, you know, uh, you know, what made you feel confident, you know, about being true to yourself, you know, running as a progressive, um, as well as out in a you know district that would be considered you know, not the kind of district from a political strategy standpoint to do that. And so what gave you kind of uh, the confidence, you know, and the foundation to say, you know, win or lose, you know, I'm going to be myself and, you know, I'm, I'm going to run this way, you know, and prove to whatever naysayers may be out there that, you know, you can win in a district being a progressive and being true to who you are. Well, I was already out, so there was no other option. <laughs> it's not like it was a secret uh, right. before I ran. Right. So, you know, uh, either I wasn't running or I was running as, as who I am. There, there literally was, was no other choice. And it's true that my district does have a well-deserved, perhaps, a reputation for being more moderate, moderate Democrats, less progressive. Um, and I think that that is true. I think that there were a lot of people who voted for me not because we see eye to eye on every issue, but because I showed up at their door and had a conversation with them about the issues that they cared about. And maybe we disagree because I always say, you know, I'm the same person in every room. I'm the same person at every door. And not everyone's going to like where I stand on every single issue, but they're always going to get that authentic version of me. And so at the end of the day, I don't think that I am the state representative for District 36 because of ideology. I think I'm the state representative because of how hard I work to meet people where they're at, to have conversations with them about the issues that they care about, and to continually show up over and over and over again in parts of the district where people like me just have chosen not to show up or have shown up and gotten discouraged and stopped showing up again. I, you know, I have learned that uh, people tend to like me when given the chance, and I've never hidden who I am, and people do seem to like authenticity. Right? And so, you know, it's, it's funny thinking about, for example, parts of my district where Tony Moreno and myself both did very well, and I think we could not be more different from each other. And yet the thing that we had in common was that we showed up in those neighborhoods where both of us did well. And I think the lesson there for progressives who want to win in areas where progressives traditionally have not done well is that lesson of showing up constantly and consistently so that people understand that wherever they land on ideology, I'm going to be there fighting for them. Thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, and then just real quick before before we wrap up, um, I did want to give you a, a, an opportunity to speak quickly about um, House Bill 729 um, and, and, you know, the, the importance of getting that passed, um, what exactly that bill, um, you know, would be looking to accomplish um, as it pertains to, to conversion therapy in Pennsylvania. Um, and then, you know, also just after that, you know, how, how people can, how your constituents can get in contact with you um, and, and different things like that. Yes. So when it comes to conversion therapy, or has, how I like to call it conversion abuse, I don't think that is actually in any way 
shape or form therapeutic, though that is how it is commonly told, uh, commonly said. I, I think that as a queer person who was closeted growing up, because I grew up in a more conservative religious household, that it is so important to make sure, especially that our young people are protected from things like conversion abuse. I want to make sure that LGBTQ young people grow up in a world that is free of, frankly, all, all kinds of violence. And I do believe that conversion therapy is violent at the end of the day. Um, it is an attack on someone's identity. And so the work that Repsims and myself are doing around banning conversion therapy is really important, not only for young people, but I think for adults as well. And I think uh, you want to know how people can get in contact with me. I almost forgot. Um, so folks can reach me at repvenom at pahouse.net or at 412-881-4208. You can also find me on a lot of different forms of social media, and I do try to check my messages regularly, though I always tell folks uh, the fastest way to get in contact with me is typically email. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you for covering that legislation and, and, and providing, you know, your perspective on, on all those different topics. Um, yeah, so thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you as well again to uh, Senator Tim Carney and, and State Representative Dan Frankel for joining us as well, um, you know, for, for all the work that, that y'all do on behalf of the LGBTQ community in, in Pennsylvania. Thank you again for having us. Thank you so much. And uh, that was State Representative uh, Jessica Benham. And that was uh, tonight's uh, legislative visit. Again, uh, thank uh, so much to uh, Representative Dan Frankel, Senator Tim Kearney, and uh, our most recent guest who just left us, uh, State Representative Jessica Benham. Um, you know, very, very uh, important, important discussion as we close out, uh, you know, Pride Month and continue to, uh, you know, lift up uh, uh, LGBTQ voices, as well as stand up taller as allies uh, to support uh, our, our brothers and sisters, as well as our non-binary um, al uh, allies that we are supporting in the community. Um, so, uh, Ryan, you know, thank you, you know, for pulling this together. Um, you know, Miracle, um, do you have any, any final words as well as uh, your, your general, um, you know, words of positivity and upliftment? Uh, yes. Yeah, so again, thanks so much to our esteemed guests for joining us today. Um, especially our, our last guest representative, Benham, actually had to leave because she had another uh, program she had to be a part of. And so we think it's very important that we're working together and pushing forward um, of a lot of these this legislation for people's lives, you know, impact people's lives, the livelihood, you know, where they can work, where they can go to school, where um, what representation they can get when they go into court um, and how uh, they are supported. Um, in addition, we um, wanted to thank so much to uh, Project Matters and TransUniting. Again, um, there are some of our, our partners of this weekend in D.C. Um, pushing for um, equality when it comes to the right to vote. So it's also, again, very important that people are uh, engaged in all levels because it impacts people's lives, which is why, again, we encourage people to register to vote. Um, we have November elections coming. And, you know, we have elections every six months. 
but we have a lot of people who are running for office and, and if you are very passionate about these issues, it's very important that you um, register to, to vote. Um, like we said, we know that COVID-19, it's changing the mask mandate, but please make sure you're uh, safe, you're staying safe, um, wearing masks, um, if you so choose, and just paying attention to symptoms. Um, tomorrow, we have a very amazing, amazing uh, show for what Black Pittsburgh needs to know. There's been a lot of conversation about, you know, arts in Pittsburgh. And so one of the things that is happening, we're talking to some local authors across um, here in Pennsylvania who worked in Pennsylvania who are going to be talking about writing, um, writing about race, um, for Britain, Britain Monk, who did, you know, punch me up to the gods. We're going to be having a conversation about some new articles coming out, talking about history. You know, every it seems like every day people learn new things on social media about our history. And so we're going to have a conversation about that. On Wednesday, we have This Week in White Supremacy. On Thursday, we have On Tilt to talk about like your mental health. Your mental health is so important as you go into the summer, we're seeing a lot of people who are, who are stressed out, people who are socially overwhelmed about going back and forth. A lot of changes are happening as things are officially opening back up. So we wanna remind you to protect your mental health with On Tilt. Uh, we have Ask a Black Doctor. Um, and even next week, we, we're going to have um, a really, really good program, um, Blacklight. Also coming up, you know, we have, we're um, always, always thrilled and, and, and honored to support uh, local youth organizers and young Black, I'm sorry, young Black motivated kings and queens are having a summer camp. And next week, they're having a, a gala in a gospel concert. So please make sure you're supporting them and the, their functions, supporting the summer camp. And then a week after that, we have a, a really, we're very honored to support the Antoine Rose Foundation for an event here in Pittsburgh. So please make sure you're staying tuned. You're so, uh, supporting the One Hood Media Network and uh, tuning in every day because we have a lot of great programming coming. And also we'll be launching some really interesting websites and information and then next week or so. So please stay tuned for those announcements. And with that, I turn it back over to my co-host, Kahari, to close us out. Thank you again. I want to thank uh, State Representative Dan Franco, Senator Kearney, as well as Representative Benham for joining us tonight for our June edition of the legislative visit. Uh, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, we'll catch you next Monday for the latest edition of, of the One Hood Power Hour. Um, so until then, uh, on behalf of my colleagues, Ryan White and Miracle Jones, uh, you know, still stay engaged in the process, stay involved. Um, and as we said, you know, the WHO has, you know, new guidance of what's going on. I know in um, Australia, they're back on lockdown. So, you know, right, you know, when we, I think we were starting to feel extra comfortable and going to the club and, and feeling good, going to see Big Phil and DJ Selecta. You know, we may want to, you know, just make sure that, you know, we're staying up on all of the latest information when it comes to that. So I say all that to say, stay safe and see you next Monday at 7 p.m. for the One Hood Power Hour. Thank you for joining us. Have a good night.